Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. All right, so let's just set a little bit of a backdrop for this story, and then I'm just going to pull a few thoughts out of it that I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to exhort our young adults, but our wider community, and then I'm just going to open it up for our young adults to come and minister to you all. So make sure you got your words of knowledge ready. Are we ready? Oh, please. Are we ready? Don't tell me that you are drooping off at 8.22 p.m. Not okay. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. So we know that um, Judges as a whole book, it's, it's a narrative, so it's a story. It's an Old Testament narrative, and it occurs over a period of about 330 years between the death of Joshua and all the way through to when uh, kings, Israel began to have kings, so when there was a monarchy. And um, so they were in the promised land, but if you've, read ju- if you've read Judges lately, probably don't read it just before bed. It can be quite a horrific book and some, some really, some quite um, confronting stories in it. Um, I remember I'm doing a chronological reading plan, full disclosure, I'm about two months behind, but... <laughs> I was reading through Judges earlier this year and I thought, oh my goodness, what is it? It's these crazy stories. So Israel just started to go through these cycles of um, like they'd be prospering and then they'd turn away from the covenant. They'd you know, fall and get oppressed by their enemies. enemies. They'd cry out to the Lord. He'd raise up a deliverer and then they'd do it all over again. But it's like with every cycle, things seem to just get worse and worse. So enter Deborah. She is the third deliverer that was raised up in the, the nation of Israel at that time. So about midpoint. And um, she was an interesting lady. She was a judge, but she was also a prophetess. And when um, that word judge is used, it's, um, it's not so much like a court judge like we would know today. It's more like a, like a political military leader. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different flavor. So just a bit of background there. And so they're in the promised land. Israel's in the promised land, but they just can't seem to get it together. And I think one verse that kind of epitomizes where people are at is in Judges 21, 25. It's repeated four times in the book of Judges, so it's a bit important. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that never seems to work out so well, even now, then and now, when people, you know, just do whatever they think is right, you know, without regard to the Lord, yeah? So that's kind of where they were at. Alrighty, so chapter four, let's take a look. So just to do a summary, if you're not familiar with Deborah's story, I'm going to do a summary. So um, if you are familiar with it, apologies for the repeat, but I think it's really good for us to just recap some of the things that happened there, okay? So let the summary begin. Is that okay? You sure? Excellent. Actually, I'm going to make you do some work. With the people um, next to you, in the next 30 seconds, can you tell me three things that happen in Deborah's story? So tell the people next to you in your row three things that happen in Deborah's story. Anything. Go. Got 30 seconds. I can see you if you're not participating. Okay, 10 seconds. Chris, the technician, who are you talking to? Richard? (laughs) Okay, and eyes back to the front. (laughs) 
<laughs> Can't help myself, can I? All right, so I hope you got a few things there. So Israel had just come out of a period of being oppressed heavily for about 20 years, and then they cry out to the Lord, and the Lord calls Deborah. And um, at that time, the, the king was this guy, the king of the enemy with the Canaanites, was this king called King, who knows his name? Not Xerxes. Starts with J. Jabin. Oh, good on you, Mark Greenwood. Um, so King Jabin. Everyone say King Jabin. Good. And his commander was called Sisera. Say Sisera. Imagine having to say that 10 times really fast. Sisera, 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 Sisera. Anyway, so um, they're oppressing them. And Deborah gets this word from the Lord. And she calls this guy called Barak. Everyone say Barak. And in verse six, it says this. She sent for Barak, son of Abinom from Kadesh in Naphtali and Zebulun and led them up to Mount Tabor. And it says, um, the Lord says, I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his troops into the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So essentially, the, the word of the Lord was, hey, Barak, I want you to take this army down into a valley. The enemy army is going to come after you, but don't worry, because the Lord's going to deliver you. And then um, Barak goes, ooh, I'll go, but Deborah, you've got to come with me. And she's like, okay, let's do it. All right? So... Um, so I can't actually see in that reading where the barrack was a military guy. So he could have just been just a, I don't know, he could have been a farmer, could have been anyone. Imagine if the Lord called you and said, hey, you, you know, you youth worker, I want you to go and send an army. Like, oh my goodness. You know, he may have been a military guy, but I just don't read it there. Okay, so Barak and Deborah take the army. God has commanded them, 10,000 men. Uh, the Lord routes Sisera and all his chariots, and they, uh, Sisera jumps off his chariot, runs away. I don't know how he got away so fast, but he runs away, scurry, scurry. And all the, um, the enemy army is killed. Sisera, he goes to um, this tent of a woman, came, J woman named Jael. Know the story? Yeah. Oof. Jael, interestingly, is spelt... Um, J-A-E-L, which is our friend Yael spells her name that way. So if she ever wants to take you camping, then maybe just have a second thought. So Yael, in, so his sister goes to Yael's tent, sorry, J-L's tent, and um, she invites him in. And he must have thought he was feeling pretty safe because J-L and her husband um, actually had an alliance with King um, Jabin, so she must, he must have thought, oh, this is going to be fine. So he goes in, he gets, she gets him a drink of water, drink of milk, he goes to sleep. And then, as I've heard Pastor Catherine say so diplomatically, she picks up a tent peg and dispatches him. She takes the tent peg and actually pierces him through the temple. Amen. So, <laughs> really nice story. So um, Barak actually comes to find Sisera, and just as Deborah prophesied, the glory of the victory was indeed into the hand of a woman, J.L. And the chapter finishes in a really great verse, verse 23, 24. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan. Interesting, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. 
And that, my friends, is the story of Deborah. She was also a songwriter, which you'll see in chapter five, a bit of, you know, original X Factor Israel, perhaps. And um, so that's one to read further. So why, what can we draw from this story? How can we look at this story and go, Holy Spirit, like, what are you saying to us today? And, you know, we know that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correction, rebuking, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be equipped for, every good, equipped for every good work. So we can even look at Old Testament scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to encourage and exhort us as a church today. Okay? Isn't that true? Please tell me you read the Old Testament as well. Amen. <laughs> All right, so verse one. Let's go back to verse one. And here's where we'll start tonight. I want to share three things with you before we move into our ministry time. And verse one says, When Ehud was dead, so that was the deliverer before Deborah, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So when de- here's my first point. So when deliverers aren't present, the darkness increases. But when deliverers step up, the darkness must flee. When the people cried out, God raised up a deliverer, and that was his response. And in that time, so as long as the deliverer was alive and active, um, often removing enemy influences, the land was stable. But when they passed away, it was like the darkness began to increase. So keep in mind that the Israelites, though they were God's chosen people, they were still an unredeemed people. They still you know, didn't have uh, new life in Christ at all. So they were, you know, they were... Um, they, they had disobedience and, and that sort of thing happening. So today, all of us, you know, live around people in a society of people that don't know Jesus. And um, in Romans 8, where it says, when all creation is groaning and crying out for the revealing, who are they waiting for the revealing for? The sons and daughters of God. They're crying out for the revealing so when we look around, and I think like in our, I guess, media climate or whatever, you could look around and be like, oh, darkness, darkness. But what is God's response to that? He raises up deliverers. Even in this new covenant context, where the people carrying the light of the Lord, we're children of light, the Bible says. And so if you want to see something done about darkness, if you want to see darkness decrease, perhaps the Lord's saying, hey, you're the deliverers. Step up deliverers, right? I, one, thing I've, one thing I'm mindful of is like, I don't just want us to, as a young adult community, but I guess as a broader community, it's one thing to just exist and be present, but it's another thing to engage, right? So I feel like there's this, there's this um, call for us to like really step up and just realise who he's called us to be and, and to stand as those deliverers as light in, in the dark place. So instead of looking at darkness and like complaining about it, just recognize that, hey, we're the children of light, so what are we going to do about it? And if we stand, if we stand and we recognize who we are, we will see darkness decrease. Amen? Yeah, it's true. It's actually true. So remember, Matthew 5.14, who's the light of the world? You're the light of the world. You're the city on a hill. Matthew 28, are we not the ones commissioned? I'd hate for us to to miss this and not recognize our opportunity and just wait for someone else to step up, right? This is our opportunity. We're the ones walking with Jesus in this season right here. Amen? All right, second point. Um, Deliverance can come in... (laughs) 
the most unlikely ways, unlikely through the most unlikely people and in unlikely places. Let's take JL or Yael. <laughs> Unassuming woman, um, you know, just tent around her tent, probably on the outer of the Israelite community because of the whole alliance thing. Um, you know, you would kinda you kind of expect, you know, Deborah's gonna come through, um, Barak's gonna come through, the army's gonna come through, and yet the Lord uses an unlikely person in an unlikely place, in an unlikely way. I mean, who would have picked the tent peg thing? I don't know. That's quite unique. And that's how the Lord did it. So um, one thing that I've been encouraged in lately is I've, I feel like I've been cataloging these stories and, um, and testimonies of when God has used something that seemed really insignificant or out of the ordinary to bring about a great deliverance and a great breakthrough. I'm reminded of the story that Pastor Mark told last year about the Argentinian revival, I think, and the woman, I, I recommend you look it up, I won't tell the whole story now, but a woman in a prayer meeting who just felt compelled to bang a table and wouldn't do it for the first two nights of the prayer meeting and was finally convinced on the third night to just, just do it as an act of obedience. I mean, who would have thought that that would, that would make a difference? But when she did, the glory broke out and it actually broke this stalemate that was happening in Argentina in that time. An unlikely person, unlikely place, unlikely way. One thing I wonder is um, how many times have we felt those I'm speaking to young adults, but to everyone, those subtle promptings of something to, to do or an act of obedience, like something that seems a little bit out of the ordinary, and we just don't, we just aren't quite sure if we should. It doesn't seem like a big deal. I mean, oh, what do you mean? Just, you know, it could be giving a certain amount of money away. It could be stepping out and praying for someone. It could be, could be any number of things. But imagine if like that simple act of obedience, it could be an obedience thing, a faith thing, or just like something that takes a bit of grit. You know, it would have taken a bit of grit for, for JL to just go and do what she did. But I wonder how, yeah, I wonder how many times we've had those subtle unctions, but we maybe have sat back. But who knows what could be released on the other side of that? Who felt, who's felt like they've been kind of nudged to do something unlikely at some time? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, something that's like, oh, that's not a big deal. Or, you know, give $20 to someone. It's like, oh, that could be weird. That might come across funny. You know? But who knows what could happen? Who knows what could be released? Yeah. Yeah, amen. So, and lastly, um, in verse 23, 24, it's the end of the chapter. And this one thought was so interesting just pondering on this. If you want to look there with me, you can. It says, on that day, this is after um, Sisera has been killed. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. So notice that it God subdued Canaan on the day that, that the commander of the army was, was killed, Sisera was killed. And yet, the Israelites still had to press and press and press until it was completely destroyed. It's interesting, isn't it? So he was already subdued, but yet they had to press, press, press until there was full deliverance, full breakthrough. 
I think there's something that we can take from that. I mean, we know with just the, the, the gospel that Jesus has purchased, the, the victory that he's won, he's overcome every enemy, and yet there's this co-laboring aspect where we're to keep pressing, 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 and seeing his kingdom increase and pushing back. I feel like in this, there's something that the Lord wants to exhort us in, and it's in the area of, it's in the area of perseverance, yeah? I'm reminded of the parable of the persistent widow. It's something that me and my friend M. Hunter, she's not well, she couldn't be here tonight. Um, but we've been talking about this, this um, thing about persistent prayer and persistent faith, not to be people who are put off when we don't see something change straight away, but knowing that the enemy has been subdued and we just press, press, press and persist until we see that thing fully move, until we see darkness fully obliterated from what we've been called to, until we see what we can see with our faith eyes and not to be put off. So something of perseverance of faith, not, and not only that, like we, there's something with perseverance and um, maturity. Um, where is it? Is it James? Like, let perseverance finish his work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We, if there's something linked there, if we don't lock into perseverance, how can we possibly say or become that mature bride? How could, they're linked. So there's something about locking our eyes on what God has called us to do. Persevering, push, push, push until we see the breakthrough, until we see what God has ordained to happen. There's a perseverance of faith that he's bringing us into. Yeah, and I believe that that's a united thing. And, you know, I know in this story, in Deborah's story here, that we're talking about, you know, physical enemies, a physical army. But we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's a spiritual battle. That's from Ephesians 6. It's a spiritual battle where we're pushing, pushing, pushing. We're releasing the light. We're representing Jesus, and we're not gonna we're not gonna take our eyes off that breakthrough. Yeah. And so I feel like there's like this stirring, this unified faith that He's bringing us into as a young adults, and I suppose as a whole community. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So, when the deliverers step up, darkness must flee. Deliverance can come in unlikely ways from unlikely people in unlikely places. And God subdues the enemy, but the people are depressed hard until deliverance is complete. So I believe that in our, in our young adults that there's a bit of a call to arms taking place. There's a bit of a, um, uh, like a, a, unity, a unity of faith and a, and a stepping forward in, in almost like a militant fashion where we're not going to let go. We're not going to be swayed to and fro by everything that comes our way. We're going to lock eyes with this thing and we're going to go for it for the, for the kingdom. Amen. And I know many of you aren't satisfied with status quo, with like just run-of-the-mill living, just, you know, doing church, going to work, coming home, doing it for 50 years, then, you know, passing away. You know, like that's not what we're called to do. We have a call. We have a, we have a mandate. Like this is our leg. This is our um, real, this is, we're holding the baton in this relay. And so what are we going to do with our, with our run? Yeah. So let's step up into that. I've heard this phrase, I'll finish on this. I've heard this phrase in my heart. Um, it's been swimming around in my heart for the last few weeks. And it's like, it's like stake a claim. And I'll just be 
hearing this, um, this prompting, like, stake a claim, stake a claim. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is just calling us to, like me and us also, just to stake a claim in the Spirit and be like, no, I claim, I'm claiming this, this space, I'm claiming this promise, I'm claiming freedom, whatever it is for you. Who feels like they resonate with that? Like God's saying, like, you need to actually grab hold of this. You need to claim this and not let go. Put your hands up if that's you. Yeah, I can see a few people there. So let's tonight, um, as we go into this ministry time, like why don't we just in our hearts, like just go, yeah, Lord, I, I receive that encouragement. I'm gonna stake a claim here. I see what you've called me to do and I'm not gonna turn away. I'm not gonna let it go and I'm gonna stay the course. Amen. So be blessed by Deborah's story. <laughs> there is so much more that could be brought through um, from that story. Um, and I encourage you to go look into it, but just a few things for us tonight to exhort us in as we're going forward. But being typical young adults, I would love to give you some questions to think on for a couple of minutes. So if you wanna take out your phone or a journal, I've got three questions for you because it's always cool to take an opportunity to activate um, what you have heard or received from. So let's take a few moments to just ask the Holy Spirit how he would have us respond to that, respond to this scripture. Here's your questions. More as an encouragement, in what ways are you already being used as a deliverer? In what ways are you already being used as a deliverer? It could be in your workplace when you choose to when you choose to love the employee that's not as easy to love, but you've staked a claim there and you're like, nah, I'm not gonna move. So you're already being used in that space to bring light, to bring deliverance. Second question. What darkness, inverted commas, are you called to dispel? It could be something that you're, you know, just seeing in your community that you're like, oh, that's just not right. Like, I just want to do something about that. It could be, um, you know, some people that you know who are going through a certain time and like the Lord's inviting you to, to come and be part of helping them and bringing light and bringing solution. So what darkness are you called to dispel? And number three, what step, um, what step or action, what step of obedience or action is the Lord asking you to do? What step of obedience or action is the Lord asking you to do? So let's just take a minute to think on those questions and just prayerfully in your heart, just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak to me about this tonight? Thank you, Lord.
Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you for your spirit of wisdom and revelation. I thank you that you're exhorting us and encouraging us to to be those light, that city on a hill, that lamp on a stand, to be those representatives of Jesus, to carry the truth and life into everywhere that you've put us and you've placed us. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. All right, and just as you've thought of those questions, if you would, if you're comfortable to, would you share maybe one of your thoughts with someone else in your row? Something that the Lord brought to mind during that time of reflection. Yeah, begin to share with the people around you. Could just be one thought, something you were reminded of, something you feel challenged in, anything like that. Thank you, Lord. So good. And before we go any further, I'm going to invite some young adults to come and minister to us. But before I go any further, I want to give an opportunity for anybody who you might be new here or and you're like, I don't know how I even got here. <laughs> Someone invited me and now we're talking about tent pegs and all sorts of stuff. But there may be some people here who have not yet um, begun a relationship with Jesus Christ and don't yet know him as their Lord and as their king of their whole lives. And there may be something just stirring in you where you're just like, I just need to know this Jesus more. And I just want to make an opportunity. If you are here tonight and you would love to uh, make a decision to walk in relationship with Jesus, would you raise your hand? We never want to have a night like this and not give an opportunity for someone who would love to walk with Jesus to do that. If you're here and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, would you just raise your hand? Okay, awesome. All right, thanks for your participation. Praise the Lord. Can I pray for you? So good. Then I'm going to point to some people and I'd like you to come up the front because you're going to um, give us some words of knowledge and um, prophetic words as you feel led, okay? All right, so let's just close our eyes. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you so much for these people. Thank you for our family and our community. We thank you for grace, Lord. I thank you for grace, for life, for encouragement over every single believer here. I thank you, Lord, that you've called people to stand in place um, and stand in places of darkness or dysfunction and bring forth the kingdom, bring forth the life of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that for some people, the lights are coming on to what they're called to. And Lord, I just thank you for great wisdom, great courage and faith. Lord, let this be a place and a people who are known for their courage, their obedience, their love for you. And Lord, we just thank you that um, as we are those light, that, that city on a hill, that lamp on a stand, I thank you that you're dispelling darkness in our city. And we're just going to see that we're going to see Jesus glorified in our city like never before in the coming season. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Oh, thanks, guys.
So good. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.